Good morning, everyone. Joining us today is Juno Senator Jesse Keel. Good morning. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, everyone. I have a fun time over at Gallery Walk last week. Oh, Gallery Walk is always great. Uh, I was I was mostly doing the Nutcracker this weekend, oh, but that's right. uh, but you can't you can't beat Gallery Walk on that uh, that first Friday in in December. Mm. And what's on the agenda for you this holiday season? A little bit of family travel um, and uh, <clears throat> uh, just a time with the, the daughters. They're coming back from college for the the holiday, and that'll be good. Um, plus, I'll be reading the governor's uh, budget proposal that comes out in about uh, 10 days, but who's counting? And uh, digging into that before the session starts. And that'll be quite the stocking stuff. For you have your fun, I'll have mine. Yes, but... We'll 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 come back to that in a moment here, Jesse, because after we celebrate the holiday season and usher in 2023, we'll see the 33rd legislature convene. I recall your wishing on past programs for a coalition Senate. And now here we are, a 17 member bipartisan Senate coalition. Your initial thoughts on this development? I, well, I, I think you won't be surprised. I, I think it's really positive. Um, I think it's really uh, a well-balanced group, right? It's it's eight Republicans and nine Democrats, so we're almost 50-50. Um, and when you look at the leadership team, it's evenly split. As you look through the committees, um, when that full committee membership comes out, you're going to see really even balance. A few more R's on this one, a few more D's on that one. It's going to go back and forth a little bit. They all have odd numbers. Um, <clears throat> and, and that kind of even treatment, when we organize, means that um, there's just no need for anybody to get balled up in my team, your team, ours, this, D's, that. You can just work on the issues. You can just work on the problems and opportunities facing Alaska. And and that's what we ought to be doing in the first place. So I think um, the way we've organized this really frees us up to get away from team sports um, and and just do our work. Um, and I think that that's going to give us opportunities to to do a better job working with the governor uh, if he is interested in that um, and working with the House, depending on how they set up their organization over there. I know that's that's very tight. Right They're They're evenly split over there and, and uh, waiting on at least one recount to uh, to figure it out. <clears throat> but but it's going to really, I think, be a positive development. I mean, no, no one thing is uh, the difference between uh, darkness and candy canes and twinkle lights. But I think it sets us up um, to get more work done. Um, I've read that there have been coalitions in the Senate before, I believe even during Egan's time, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And and so from your perspective, how will this coalition approach be different compared to, say, the 32nd legislature or the 31st? Oh, you know, different contexts really make for for different uh, setups. And and we had situations there where the Senate was, um, uh, instead of nine Democrats and 11 Republicans the way it is today, once where it was Um, 10-10. But we had pretty differential numbers um, within the caucuses uh, and and different power structures. They weren't as um, evenly split. Those coalitions back in, uh, I think, what, 06 through... 11, I want to say, roughly, um, they did great work, right? And, and they had the benefit of high oil prices um, and, and a pretty good income stream from that oil for the state. Um, so they were able to save billions and billions of dollars. Um, they were able to do some really productive work with a variety of different governors. Um, and, and both Senator Elton and Senator Egan were parts of that. And I had the opportunity to work uh, on their staff in those days. Um, this is a little bit different 
the money is, uh, is okay right now, but we're not flush. Um, that's going to make it a little harder. We have, a, uh, I think, a, a different um, setup. The, the house is not um, uh, set up necessarily in opposition to the Senate in terms of the party makeup. Um, <clears throat> we'll see how they organize, right? Whether they're going to be narrowly divided um, uh, with a very slight lean left or a slight lean right. But, um, you know, our opportunity to work with them, I think, is greater um, as long as um, we have partners over there who will also put party labels aside every now and then. Um, you know, people are people, right? And folks run for office. But I think our new election structure with those open primaries, and, and for me, that's the key, um, that lets people pay more attention to the work and less attention to the party base back home. Um, and, and, and that way, because they can focus on all the people they represent instead of their party loyalists first and foremost um, they sh- folks should be more willing to just get the work done for all Alaskans that's my hope um, so significant differences but also a lot of the same benefits that those prior coalitions had so during your remarks to the chamber last week you had highlighted some issues we're facing now that could come up during the next session uh, one of which you stressed education We've deliberated many times on this program about education funding and it being behind with inflation. So what's your feeling that your colleagues now agree? Well, so I, I, you know, as I have talked to my colleagues, as uh, we all work the phones organizing and figuring out what we're going to do, um, we, we did, obviously we talk about issues, that's why we're here. Um, and, and there is a much broader uh, understanding now of the problems our schools are having because we've held their funding flat for six years and then in the coming year they get a part of one year's inflation adjustment even while they're facing uh inflation like we haven't seen in decades so uh you know you you start to see school the anchorage school district talking about closing a bunch of schools you see fairbanks talking about uh having terrible financial troubles we've been facing it in southeast with our uh flat to declining student numbers um for a while now so we've had it worse um, but others are now seeing the problems that we have faced. That's given, giving us an opportunity, I think, to um, to really change our focus and bring a lot more uh, votes to increasing education funding. It doesn't get simple because you have to come up with the money to do it. Um, but I think the support has shifted uh, and there will be more support there. And. You said the votes are there in the Senate this year to move on a pension for public workers. What gave you that confidence? I, I, I think that's true. I really do. Um, and, and I think a couple of the shifts in, in seats that the voters made, um, you know, just replacing one senator with another makes a huge difference. Um, those those margins were, were pretty close. I think we could have passed a pension bill uh, last year. We certainly came closer than we have any time since 2013. Um, and, and I think the landscape is better. It, it just made it to committee last time around. Made it out of the House. Made it, okay, right? made it. And, and was getting uh, hearings in Senate committees. So in 2013, we passed the Senate, um, but it was very late in the session, and we did not get House hearings. So um, <clears throat> I think this year we're, we're much better positioned. Um, you have a number of folks um, who are coming to the legislature for the first time or who have come over from the House to the Senate, uh, it varies, who see the need. They see that without a pension system, 
Alaskans are paying to train new public workers, troopers, JPD officers, teachers, wastewater plant operators at the city, right? <clears throat> All across the spectrum. Um, fish and game biologists. We could go on and on and on. Yep. And, and then um, there's nothing to keep them here. With five years of service, they've got experience, they've got training. You and I all paid for that, right? And then they can move to literally any other state in the United States of America, take that experience with them, get hired, come in at a higher pay step, and, and start earning pension. We are, we are paying to be the training ground for other states, and, and, and that's not a cost that we should bear. And with a responsible, uh, pro, you know, it's not going to look like the old tier one. I, I guarantee you we can't afford that. Um, but with a responsible pension system, we solve that problem. We actually save money over the current tier four um, for public workers and tier three for teachers. So it's, it's a win-win. It really is. Um, <clears throat> we have a lot more people, we have several more people in the Senate this year who understand that. Um, we've got a lot of work to do with the administration, um, <clears throat> but I think we can get them there. Those are just some of the issues you said may be taken up, and are there any others from your crystal ball you'd like to pull for us before we go to a break? Oh, heavens to Betsy. We, we could talk about uh, energy, especially in rural Alaska. Um, I, I do think we're going to talk about uh, fiscal plan issues. Um, <clears throat> and then, um, you know, we, of course, here in Southeast, we're always focused on, on the ferry system. But maybe the one thing I'll leave uh, everybody with before we go to a break and come back is this year we had a responsible capital budget. It's been the first time in a long time that we've had a, a reasonable capital budget to look at some of the infrastructure and some of the deferred maintenance needs. Um, I think we can have one again next year, but we're still in a place where that depends on the price of oil. So um, let's talk more about that um, as soon as we get the opportunity. Absolutely. We'll have that opportunity in just a minute. And we're back with Senator Keel. After pre previewing a bit about what may go on in the Senate next year in the first part, we have two question marks now, the first being the House. They are once again stalemated with the number of Republicans and Democrats and nonpartisans. We touched a little bit on in the first part, but what's your hopes for the House? Well, my, my hope is that the House um, puts together a group of, of uh, more folks than, than last year, right? So I think that the Democrats and, and most of the nonpartisans um, have a, a desire to work in a bipartisan way or an, a multi-party um, way <clears throat> and, and just focus on, on issues and work. Um, and, and what they need to do that is to attract um, a couple of moderate Republicans, hopefully a number of moderate Republicans, over so that um, the 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 some of the most fringe elements, um, you know, they, they're members of the body, right? They're going to vote in committee, they're going to vote on the floor, but they're not the ones with their hands on the steering wheel picking the direction. Um, to do that, you're going to need on among the Democrats, right, to agree that you're not going to have, uh, you're not going to try and lurch the state hard left because moderate Republicans won't join you in that case. So you can work issue by issue on fixing problems and taking advantage of opportunities for Alaska. And, and you know, uh, you probably need to um, set aside for the time being some of your bigger dreams um, that come from, you know, the particular ideology you hold. If you can do that, you set aside a whole lot of damage right? You just take it off the table and, and you really can move the needle on all kinds of opportunities. <clears throat> um, 
there are folks who who you know are, are much more interested in, and the reason you hold an ideology is you believe it's right, right? Folks who are much more interested in in pursuing sort of elements of that agenda, both left and right. And so you need a core of folks in the center who can put together that that group and that team. There was a very optimistic um, statement yesterday put out by the current Speaker of the House, yeah. Louise Stutz. She's a Republican. Um, and two um, rural legislators. Um, and, and oftentimes the Bush caucus has been the swing, right? Those, those remote rural folks who represent remote rural areas of the state, um, they've decided who will be in power or how, how strong that group will be. Um, and they just Express their shared commitment to working in in uh, across the party lines, um, and so I think that's that's hopeful. But there's a recount out there in one anchored race um, that is seven votes apart, uh, and and I think you're going to see that take up a few weeks. Right, the division of elections does not um, take half measures on these things; they are meticulous, and it takes time. Um, <clears throat> so you're going to see that take a couple of weeks. There are a couple of lawsuits out there. I, you know, I don't have a law degree. Uh, I don't have inside insider knowledge. I'm not involved in them. I, I don't think either of those is going to result in a change um, in the winter. So um, I strongly suspect that the one recount once wrapped up will be the one thing that, that gives the House a basis um, to know, okay, here are all the legislators, Alaskans have said, who's going to work together to determine the direction in the House? Um, and and who's going to be the counterweight on that? Both very important, um, <clears throat> but I I am hopeful that we'll again have a, a moderate group um, that puts party labels aside, uh, as we've been able to do in the Senate. And the other question is, since I mentioned there were two, is what to expect from the governor now that he enters his second term? And like you mentioned, next week we're supposed to receive that budget in our in our stockings, and. You you jumped at that for a moment. Is there something burning you'd like to say, Jesse? Well, I, I mean that is the sixty four thousand dollar question. Um, although nowadays maybe it's a six point four billion dollar question. We get us a little closer to the state's budget numbers. Um, the, if we get the governor Mike Dunleavy of the first two years of his first term, um, this is going to be really hard. Um, you remember that Alaskans were so upset with uh, the brutal cuts. And the and the radical shifts that were proposed there, there, there was a, a a recall launch, and it was well on its way to getting getting its signatures when little thing interrupted signature gathering, some sort of viral thing. I can't remember what that was called. Um, if we get the governor Mike Dunleavy of the last year, there's opportunities. Now he's the same guy, but his approach is very very different. He is still on the right-hand side of the ideology spectrum. He's a very conservative guy. But a, a Mike Dunleavy who's willing to work with people, who's willing to compromise a little bit, who's willing to try and find solutions that um, everybody doesn't mind enough, <laughs> um, rather than that first two years, it will be my way or nothing, bam, with the ax, bam, with a veto pen, um, no discussions, just imposition. I'm, I hope that we get the latter, the guy we've we've worked sometimes with, sometimes against, but around and and you know been able to sometimes collaborate with the last year. Um, I'm guardedly optimistic. We saw what is it two weeks, three weeks ago, a couple of hints. He took his acting chief of staff and made him permanent. Um, 
someone who is not a radical, someone who is not uh, a fight first kind of person. He took his uh, health commissioner and moved him into the permanent revenue commissioner job. That could have been an opportunity to bring in an ideologue, right? Someone who fights first and, and just pushes agenda. And, and instead, he brought in a guy who, hey, my agreements with him, disagreements with him, you can work with him, right? Someone who is conservative, but focuses on the work first. Very good signals, but the big one is going to be the budget. Uh, it's due by December 15th. Um, I expect the governor, he has come out a little ahead of that deadline in the past. Um, so we'll keep our eyes open for that. That's going to tell us um, a lot about which version, uh, which approach from Mike Dunleavy. I shouldn't say version. He's the same guy. Which approach from Governor Dunleavy we have um, and whether we've got someone to work with or someone to fight. Now, Jesse, I noticed this morning that crude a barrel is going at about $77 right now. It's fluctuating since the war in Ukraine began. What would you say this means for next year's round of budgeting? 77 is hard. Um, you know, we... I mean, of course, this is just one point in time. It could it, it could go up and down. Yeah. But... It, but but what what could it mean? So for next all year? all last week we were in about the 87 range, yeah. right? That, that 10 bucks is a big jump. Um, here's the... <laughs> I was about to call Joe Biden. Here's the deal. Um, oh. <laughs> sorry. Come on, man. The, um, I, I, I retract the, uh, the intro there. The state of Alaska, um, because we now use some permanent fund earnings to provide the services Alaskans need and demand from our state government, um, we have a slightly more stable budget than before. But oil is still a third or more of it. Right. And and you can't just write that off. Um, oh, it'll go up, it'll go down, whatever. If it goes way down, we're in a lot of trouble. The savings are all but gone. When we finished the legislative session in May, oil was at 100 bucks a barrel or very close to it. That was the projection for the year, high 90s, I think. And we thought we're going to save about a billion four, maybe a billion seven over the course of the fiscal year. Well, it hasn't averaged that. Right. And it's the yearly average that we, we tax on. Um, and so we're looking at maybe we don't actually put anything into savings. But we don't draw anything from savings, depending on what that price of oil does for the next six months. We're, we're still, um, the roller coaster might not be as steep, but we still don't have a stable platform for us to plan and budget the services that Alaskans need and for the private sector to know what's out there, what's coming, what the economy might look like because the government is a piece of our economy, government spend, right? Especially here in the capital city, but throughout, throughout our state. So um, we're, we're still awfully tied to price and production numbers and the production is doing what it's always done. It's just going down at a very slow level. Um, we're in that long tail of production. So um, we still have to come up with a long-term fiscal solution. And if we move sooner rather than later, we can make little moves, not big disruptions to households and businesses. Um, here's the catch-22. Until it's a crisis, nobody wants to take a nickel out of your pocket as a voter. And that means if we wait for the crisis, we're going to take a lot more nickels real fast. Um, so, you you know, it's the, the, the day of that pain point is coming. I think we'll do better to make little moves now, continued budget discipline, small broad-based connect tax that connects our economy to the resources the state has to support that economy, right? Got to have public safety. 
got to have transportation infrastructure, got to have edu- got to educate the next generation, right? Those things have to happen or we won't have an economy. Um, if it wasn't one third of it, would wouldn't be we wouldn't have to worry over. Right, it, I suppose. Right, mm. um, and, and and not that we should replace oil um, because Alaska will continue to pump oil and produce oil for a long, long time to come. That will be a significant piece of our economy and our state's revenue. Um, but but you know the more diverse, just like anybody, the more diverse your income streams can be, the more stable you are. Well, I wish we could have time for something to add, but we are out of time, Jesse, so I appreciate it. My, my goal is always to, to make government boring again. Oh. <laughs> well, you did make this morning boring. Thank you for coming in. Hey, thanks so much. I appreciate the chance to talk with everybody, and I hope everyone has great holidays. Exactly. Now, thank you for listening. This is Kevin Allen for Action Line, signing off.